0: Well, hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Jake. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, I'm a lead pastor here at Midtown Church. So glad that you're joining us uh, this morning as we actually wrap up a series that we've been in the last uh, four weeks prior to this that we've been calling Note to Self. But before we get into that, let me just ask you a question. Also, uh, Andrew and Elise got engaged last night. So, hey, congrats, guys. Andrew, you waited right then to walk down so that I would announce that. Smooth, man. That's good. That's good. Okay, let me ask you a question. Do you, you ever ever forget something really important? All the time, right? You know, it's like there's a whole technological line of devices that keep us from doing that. But like, I, we forget of someone's uh, birthday. We forget uh, your anniversary. Uh, you forget that uh, to buy something for your mom for Mother's Day, which is you know, FYI, next Sunday, just looking out for you there. So got time, make something happen for your mom. My mom is awesome. She's, she's really great, but uh, she would forget things that were really important to her, namely uh, me uh, on a couple of occasions. Uh, if that ever happened to you, your parents actually forget to pick you up from someplace. I vividly remember uh, back in the day after basketball games, like chilling just hoping my mom was going to show up but oftentimes she would forget and like i remember one time it was so bad this is like this dates me and i'm not that old but like before cell phones right and we would i like game was over i'm hanging out with my coach in 8th grade everybody else has been picked up it's just me and coach he's mad cuz i'm still there it's an hour after when i was supposed to show up i've been going into his office calling my mom but, you know, leaving messages because there was no other way to get a hold of her. They were out, my mom and dad, were out on a date. They had completely forgot about me. Coach ends up having to drive me home, which I'm guess, like against all kinds of policy codes and stuff like that. But he takes me home. It's like, yeah, thanks, mom. Still got scars when I think about that. I cry often when I think about Not really. And my mom really is awesome, but she has the same problem that we all have. We, all, we forget things that are important to us. Well, the series that we've been in calling Note to Self is about how we need to make sure we don't forget what could be argued as the most important stuff, namely who God is, what he's like, what he's done for us, who he says we are in him. And we need to call ourselves to remember who he is and put it in front of us regularly, in fact, in your, on your chairs, if you got here early enough, if you got a chair that's got a card on it, or you still want, that's an empty chair next to you. But we put together these notes that we've been walking through in this entire series just as a, as a helpful reminder, a way for you to have these to keep in front of you, to remind you of truth, to remind you about what God is like, so that you can walk in the freedom that is made possible to us by who God is. But the truth is, is that we often forget what he's like and what he's done for us. And when we do, it leads to life where we, we like are weighed down or we, we do things that mess us up or, or messes and hurts other people. So we say, man, let's know the truth. Let's take note of these truths. Let's call ourselves to believe these truths because if we do, then we will be set free. In fact, the key verse that we're going to look at this morning has been the theme verse for this entire series, and that's John 8, Uh, 31 and 32, where Jesus makes this promise. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It will set you free. And when Jesus says, I just, just want to keep this in front of us, guys. When Jesus says, when you abide in my word, that that word abide carries with it not just this idea of like, if you will believe what I said one time, And then that's it. You're done with it. You don't have to go back to it. You don't have to. That's not what he's saying. He's like, abide in my word. Then you'll know the truth. Then the truth will set you free. The idea of abide is that you would remain in it, that you'd stay in it, that you'd walk in it, that you'd regularly be soaking in it, that you would abide in it. And again, that's why I say, note to self. Let's keep this in front of us. Let's call ourselves to believe these truths that we would abide in the word, really as his disciples, to know the truth so that we can be set free. But this morning, we're going to spend our time, we're going to ask just two questions. We're going to try to get practical as we summarize or really bring this series to a close. So in summary, I should say, of this series, just two questions that we're going to ask. One is, okay, what exactly is the truth that we're to believe to be set free? And then the second question we're going to ask is, okay, how, does ex- how exactly does the truth set us free? How exactly does the truth set us free? All right, so let's just take, take this one at a time. First question, what is the truth that sets us free? Because in this series, we've been talking about, and like you got these note cards reminding us, like we've looked at three different truth statements about what God is like, right? That God is great, so I don't have to be in control. And God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. And God is gracious, so I don't have to earn his love, nor, nor do I need to make others earn my love. These are great truth statements, but what, what's the ultimate truth that we are to believe? Like, it seems like Jesus is making this really profound statement. If you know the truth, like what's he saying? Is he just saying, know all these true statements, general true statements? I would argue that he's he actually has something more specific in mind. That when we ask the question, hey, what is the truth that sets us free? Perhaps we're asking the wrong question. The right question would be who is the truth that sets us free? Not what is the truth that sets us free, but who is the truth that sets us free? In fact, in the same passage, in John 8, when Jesus makes the the statement, you know the truth, then you will be set free, he's with a group of people, and they don't understand what he's talking about. And so they ask him, they're like, okay, they start asking a bunch of questions. One of the questions that they ask him is this. They say, how is it that you say you, uh, you will become free? And so Jesus gets more specific and he answers them in John 8 verse 36, he says this. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And he had just said, if you know the truth, then you will be set free. But then he follows up, like, well, what is this truth? How will we be set free? Well, let me tell you, if the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. So Who's the truth that sets us free? It's Jesus. It's the Son. In fact, he makes this clear later on when he's talking to his disciples. John chapter 14, verse 6, a very well-known verse where he says, I am the way and the what? The The truth. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is very clear. He's the truth that sets us free. And that makes sense, right? Because if you really know Jesus, then you will know just how great he is. And then that will set you free from having to be in control. And if you really know Jesus, then you will know how good he is. Oh man, that will set you free from having to look elsewhere for life satisfaction, instruction on how to live. And if, if you really know Jesus, then you'll know how incredibly gracious he is. Which will set you free from having to Earn his love and prove your worth. But here's here's the truth. Sadly, and like this is true for me in so many ways. Oftentimes, I know a lot more about Jesus than I do actually know than, than actually knowing Jesus. For most of us, we know about Jesus. We we have intellectual, you know, confessional beliefs about him. But when it comes to actually knowing him so that we can be set free, we'd have to say, I don't know if that's really would describe my relationship with Jesus. Because isn't there a difference between knowing someone and knowing about them? Like I'm a huge Steph Curry fan. You know, it's about NBA playoffs, a lot of fun. He needs to come back from the injury. But you, those who don't know, Steph Curry's a basketball player and a really, really good one. And so I could just rattle off to you, like, you know, his shooting percentage and how many threes he made this year and, and his team's record. And, like, I know weird stuff about him, like his wife's name and his daughter's name and his dad's name and his brother's name. <laughs> it's weird, right? That's stalkish. But, okay, but I know a lot about him. But that's completely different as if I would say, hey, yeah, yeah, I know Steph Curry. Like, we're friends. We hang out. Like, I'm going to call him out later today and say, hey, you want to watch the game tonight? That would be awesome, right? But, yeah, it's two different things. Well, guys, when it comes to Jesus, I ask you, do you know about him or do you know him? See, it's knowing the truth where we will be set free. It's not simply knowing about the truth. And not simply just saying, okay, I confess that that's true. But personally, it's in knowing him, the ultimate truth, that we are set free. Do you know him? Do you? If you don't, if you would say, I don't know if I really have a personal relation with Jesus, that, that may mean that you've never actually entered into a relationship with Jesus. We've never started a relation with him. And, and Jesus, because he's gracious, it's so easy to enter into a relation with Jesus because he's done all the work for us. And all you have to do to enter into a relation with Jesus is to place your faith in him, alone for the forgiveness of your sins, where you admit I'm a sinner. I fall short of the glory of God. But I believe that Jesus died in my place on, this, on the cross, paying the penalty that I should have paid. And that he rose again, defeating death, making way for me to be in a relationship with him forever. You put your faith in Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of your sins. You enter into a relationship with Jesus. And it's awesome. And in a minute, we'll talk about how that sets you free. Perhaps there's many in this room that you would say, okay, I do believe that. And I have entered into a relationship with Jesus. So I'm in a personal relationship with him. But I don't know if I could really say that I, I really know him. I don't know if I'm really experiencing the freedom that he's promising that I can experience because I know more about him than I do know him. Then, then what, do you, what do you do? That might mean that you're just not growing in your knowledge of who what he's like to where it comes home to your heart and the day-to-day. And what I would encourage you is just to take, take a step. In fact, let me just give you four, just really quick, four things you can do to grow in your relationship with Jesus to where you know him, really know him. First one is this, spend time with him. Undivided time with Jesus. Just like you want to build a relationship with anybody else, what are you going to do? You're going to try to get some time with them. You're going to talk with them. You're going to hear them talk to you. Well, with Jesus, he's given us his word. God's given us the word of God that we can find out what he's like, that we could see what he's like. Open up your Bible and read it. In fact, I'm very excited about the series we're doing next. We're wrapping up this series today. And uh, next week, James is kicking off a, a 13-week series where we're going to walk through the entire story of the Bible. We're going to walk through the whole thing. It's going to be really fun. What I encourage you to do is be here for that, but also read along with us. And like, maybe you can't get through the whole Bible in 13 weeks. That's all right. But spend time in the Word. That's where you can hear from God what He's like. And then spend time talking to Him. You would, in prayer, tell Him what's going on with you. Your relationship becomes personal. That's one. Spend time with Him. The second thing is, spend time with others who know Him. How do you get to know other people? Oftentimes, it's by spending time with them and by spending time with others who know them. And then others actually draw out other things about the person that you're trying to get to know oftentimes. Same with God. Spend time with those who love him and who know him so that you can learn about God through them and they can help encourage you to get to know him. In our church, we have MCs and we have huddles as ways to do that. And I encourage you on the connection card, if you're not a part of one of those, just check off a box and say, help me get connected. We'd love to help you do that. That's a helpful step to get to know him personally. Third thing I would say is this. In light of our goal for this year and a big prayer as a church, it's this, that we would love being with God. That we'd understand that when Christ died for us, he died not just to pay for our sins, though, man, glory to God for that, but he also died so that in paying for our sins, we could actually enter into a relationship with him. That was the goal. And that when Jesus says that he promises us, if you put your faith in Christ alone, that he promises you that that he'll never leave you, and he'll never forsake you, and that he is with you always. And so if you want to get to know God personally, believe that he's always with you. And one way that that belief can get fleshed out, guys, is in the everyday. Look for him. Or, Or build in the discipline at the end of the day. Review your day and just ask God where did I see you show up today so that these true statements about God actually come home on a personal level where you can say okay God I know that you're I know that you're gracious but man today in that moment you were incredibly gracious to me that my friend would call me when I was really down God I know that you're patient but man today God I've seen how you were really patient with me when I was losing it with my kids and yet you used this truth, or you let me calm down, or this thing that happened, you just caught my attention again. And you didn't strike me down when I was being mean to my kid, but you gave me grace, and you gave me patience. And you see God come through. Review your day. And then the fourth thing I would say is this. The way to really get uh, grow in a personal relation with Jesus is to depend on him. To depend on him. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing good. That's what Jesus tells us in John 15. You want to grow in your relation with Jesus? See that you need him and depend on him throughout your day. God, I'm at this meeting right now. I need you to help me be wise, to be patient, to listen to what you're saying. God, I'm in the class right now. I'm having a really hard time paying attention. Can you help me pay attention? I can do all my work unto you, Lord. If I can't do that on my own. Can you help me? Depend on him. You grow in your relationship with him. I would commend those things to you. It will help you know the truth so you can be set free. Because if you know the Son, then you'll be free indeed. Okay, that's the truth that sets us free. Now, how exactly does he set us free? Let's go there. Let's get even more practical. All right, how exactly does Jesus set us free? Does the truth set us free? Well, I would say there's three really big ways And I'm going to fly through these, so this can be a sermon series in and of itself. But here it is. Uh, The first way that Jesus frees us is a past tense kind of way. You say it this way, that Jesus has freed us from the penalty of sin. That Jesus, when you know the truth, you're set free. One way you're set free is that you're set free from the penalty of sin. The Bible talks about this as our justification, When you're justified in Christ, when you put your faith in him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, then you are no longer declared guilty. And it's not even that you're now declared not guilty. Amazingly, it's that you're declared righteous in Christ. You're justified. You are seen by God in Christ as completely righteous. And guys, that happens the moment you put your faith alone in Christ. Jesus Frees you. If you know the son, you're free indeed. You're freed from the penalty of your sin. And that's past tense. So anyone who's put your faith in Christ, right now, you have been freed by Jesus from the penalty of your sin. If you've never placed your faith in Christ, then right now, this morning, you have the opportunity to be freed as you sit in this chair from the penalty of your sin, simply by admitting that you've sinned, and calling out to Jesus to be your Savior, now seeing your need for him. Right now, if you did that, you would be set free. It's amazing. It's incredible. You know the truth. The truth will set you free. G- Jamie talked on this just two weeks ago, so I'll just go back to the passage he looked at, he, he spoke on, just to remind us. Romans 3, 22 and 24 Through 24 says this: This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified, declared righteous, freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. See, guys, God is gracious, so I don't have to earn his love because God is gracious you place your faith in Christ, you come to know him at that moment, you are freed from the penalty of your sin. Praise God. Praise God. It's amazing. That's how you're set free. But even though that is absolutely incredible and we could spend all of our lives and all the eternity just praising God for that one thing, the truth is, is that that's only one aspect of the way that Christ has set us free. That he also, you could say, is currently setting us free From the power of sin. That where he has freed us from the penalty of sin, he is currently right now freeing us from the power of sin. And here's the incredible promise. That when you place your faith in Christ, one of the things that happened is that your old self was crucified with Christ, and now you have the ability to say no to sin. That God in Christ has freed you from the the enslaving power of sin. So now you have the power to say no to sin, and choose to live a godly life. And then Christ, in, in his indwelling of us, through his spirit, and his continuing work of our sanctification, is enabling us even more and more and more as we walk with him, to walk in holiness, to be freed from the power of sin in our lives. This is this is really awesome. I love what Titus says, right? In Titus chapter 2 says, for the the grace of God has appeared in, in context here, is in, grace appeared in Jesus that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So as Romans 6 talks about, he's freed us from the power of sin. Now, that now he's at work in us, freeing us even more to where we can walk in that power to say no to ungodliness and to walk in righteousness. How does this work? Well, it comes by knowing the truth, as Jesus said. And as you know the truth, then you will begin to believe correctly. And as you believe correctly, it will change your behavior. I really like this. So as we abide in his word, as we believe what he says about who he is, about what he has done, what he says he will do, and who we are in him, As we abide in his word, as we believe what he says, our mind will be renewed as we know the truth and the truth will set us free. Or as Paul puts it, the truth will transform us. In fact, Romans 12, 2 is where he makes this really helpful statement. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the, what? The renewal of your mind. You see, Your mind is renewed as you believe the truth. As you quit believing lies and you believe, okay, I know the truth. This is what Jesus is like. This is what he says. This is what he's done for me. This is who he says I am in him. As I believe this, my mind is renewed and I am transformed. Or Jesus says, you are set free. See, often we think that the way to change is by simply addressing our behaviors, right? You see something, and you think, okay, I need to st- stop doing that, and I need to start doing this, or you see something that you should start doing, and you're like, okay, I need, I need to make sure I start doing that. And you think, okay, that's the way I change. I just address my behaviors. But, but here's the thing, guys. Our beliefs drive our behaviors. And if you want to have sustaining change in behaviors, you have to deal with the beliefs. Now, just dealing with your behaviors is the equivalent of mowing weeds. What happens when you mow weeds? Things look good for a little bit, right? Go back a couple of days later and they're all up there again. Well, how many of y'all can say in your, in your like personal story, man, that's what it's like with certain sin areas of my life. I see I shouldn't be doing this. I try to stop doing this and I stop for a couple of days. Maybe I get a month under my belt, but then boom, it's back up again. Is that not so normal for us? Well, Jesus is saying, no, the way that you're set free is by knowing the truth. It's by knowing me. It's by changing what you believe. Do you abide in my word. You believe what I say. Then you're changed. Then you're set free. Let me just walk you through what this process looks like for me. I just offer this up to be very practical, a practical help for you. And I refer to this as, as the tree. It's like five helpful questions that help you uh, begin to this process of, of rooting out wrong beliefs and, uh, and replacing them with, with truth, okay? And so the first question that I would ask you to ask is, first, what am I doing, <laughs> right? What am I doing? And now this is why this is important. First, got to recognize what you're doing. If you're in sin, you're sinning because you're doing something you shouldn't be doing, or because you're not doing something that you should be doing, you need to recognize that. And guys, one of the most helpful ways to recognize that is by spending time in the Word, which is our mirror. It shows us ourselves. It helps you see, okay, I need to stop yelling at my kids. I need to quit being patient. I need to start making disciples, or I need to whatever it might be. That's really helpful. Spend time in the Word. Spend time in community. They will also help you see that but you ask the question okay what am I doing but don't stop there because our beliefs drive our behaviors then our behaviors are a kind of a a way to look into our beliefs that our our behaviors are this give us this picture into our beliefs that are driving those behaviors and so you say okay what am I doing and then you ask okay well why am I doing that what am I believing that's the second question and specifically I'd ask you to ask that in two ways what am i believing about who i am and what am i believing about who god is after you ask that question then you then you ask the next question this is perhaps the most critical question of all is what is the truth what is the truth Specifically, what is the truth about who God is? What does he say about who he is, about what he's done, about who I am in him? What is the truth? And guys, it's at this point that you have the opportunity to really deal with what's driving your behaviors. It's at this point that you have the opportunity to do what the Bible calls repent. Because repentance is not just trying to change your behavior. Repentance is literally changing your mind. And that when you see, okay, here's what I'm believing, here's what I'm thinking, and then I'm confronted with the truth, or I confront myself with the truth, this is what's true, then I can decide, am I going to actually believe what is true, or am I'm going to believe what I have been believing? And you can either let what you have been believing, which is, if it's not the truth, then it is a lie, to continue to drive your behavior, which is only going to hurt you and hurt others, or you can say, no, I believe the truth, and God I repent. I changed my mind. I have been thinking this, but this is true. And then you say, okay, next question. Well, what do I believe? I believe the truth. And then the follow question, well, then what will I do? As you let that belief drive your behavior. This is incredibly helpful process to me. It might sound abstract to you, so let me give you a, a, a illustration from my life where this began to click, and maybe it'll be more helpful for you. But, um, I remember it pretty vividly. It was actually, sadly, as you know, I've been a Christian for a very long, uh, a very long time since I was young, this, this kind of thinking and it getting practical for me is relatively new. I remember it was, even, it was in April of last year where this really began to click and has become a really helpful s- process for me for this entirety of this whole last year. And that's why I want to offer it up to you because it really has been so practically helpful. But I remember the day that it clicked for me, it was, it was a Wednesday. Uh, I came home from work, and I was unbelievably stressed out. I was stressed out because uh, I had uh, just gotten a bill, and we uh, were in a bad spot financially. In fact, we, we were uh, in debt, and things were not working. Like, ends were not meeting. And, man, I was, I was really stressed about it. In addition to that... Um, we had just kind of ramped up conversations on, a, on our elder board about the church merger. We merged churches, if you didn't know, uh, with, with Hill Country, uh, UT, Hill Country Central back in August. And, uh, but in April, we were begin, really beginning those conversations to a new, a new degree. And I didn't know what to do. <laughs> you know? And I was a pastor in Midtown, and I'm thinking, I don't know what in the world is the right thing to do. And I'm just stressed out about it, and it's this curveball. And i mean, I don't know and then i had just had lunch with a friend of mine who didn't doesn't trust christ yet and didn't know didn't know christ and that i really loved and really wanted to see to come to know christ and and he just he he was we had had lunch and i really hoped the conversation was going to go one way and it it went a completely different way and i left very discouraged and i was just down so i'm stressed and i'm down, and I come home, and there's my kids. I've got three kids, Camp Enoch and Della, and my wife and my dog. I got a golden retriever. They all greet me at the door, and it's very it's really beautiful and, and awesome most days, but on this day, I just like, I don't want to have anything to do with it. Then I just want to go, like, watch TV or check out or do something, and Krista yeah, says, hey, let's go for a family walk, and I'm thinking, that's the last thing I want to do. Like, just leave me alone, right? But I agree. Like, oh, that's fine. Let's go and walk, and on the walk, I am just like, I'm like a tornado, right? Like on this walk. Like everyone in the family is in good moods. By the end of the walk, everyone is in a really bad mood. Like I've affected everyone, because like I'm short with the kids. I'm barking at them for getting in the street. I'm short with Krista. I'm just, I'm just like, I'm, it's terrible. It's terrible. To the point that when we get back from the walk, I say to Krista, hey, I, like I just need a couple minutes just to like, like I need to go just get by myself for a couple minutes. And she's like, yeah, you do. Like go, <laughs> go. So I go in the bed. I go into the bedroom. I sit down on the bed. And I remember I just start praying. And initially my prayer was this: God, help me quit being so mean and let me be nice. You know, behavior. Let me stop doing this and start doing this. Then as I sat there, I just started thinking, like, why why am I doing this? What's driving this? By God's grace, I think I came to the question, like, okay, what am I believing? And here's what I identified, and I remember it's clear as day. I, I said, "Here's what I believe about who I am. I believe that I'm in control, and I'm really bad at it." And I said, I, "I believe that I'm the provider, and I'm really bad at it." And I, I believe that I'm the head of the church. And I'm really bad at it. And I believe that I'm my, sa- my friend's savior. And I'm really bad at it. And then I asked, well, what does that mean I believe about who God is? And I said, well, I, I, I guess that means I believe that God isn't in control. And that God isn't good. That he's not my provider. And I believe that God isn't gracious, that I have to do all this stuff for Him. And that God can't be trusted. He's not going to save my friend, so I've got to do it. Then I looked for lightning, and uh, there wasn't any, because God's gracious and He's awesome. And I said, Well, what's the truth? And I just started going through what I know is true. God is great, so I don't have to be in control. And God is good, so I don't have to look elsewhere. And God cares about me, and he really loves me, and God's gracious, so I don't have to earn his love. And if he would save me, then he could save anyone. And so, like, well, who am I to think that I have to be the one who saves? And I went back to the gospel as my way of saying, okay, how do I know this is true? Well, I know this is true because look what Jesus did for me that he would, he would conquer sin and death itself. Is he great? Is he in control? Absolutely he is. Does he love me? Absolutely he does. That God would not spare his own son, but even give him for me, that is God my provider? Absolutely he is. Is God gracious? Is he mighty to say? Save? He saved me. This is incredible. He can save my friend. I can trust him, and he's gracious. And I remember praying and just repenting. Not just of my behaviors, but of what was driving them, these false beliefs. And I said, God, this is what I believe. You are in control. You are good. You are my provider. You are my savior. After a time of prayer, I got up, and I, I went, well, what am I going to do? How's this belief going to drive my behavior? I walked out to the living room where we were sitting down to have dinner as a family, and I was able to apologize to my kids and my wife for being a jerk and a <laughs> mess And we were able to have a really great night together. Lift the weight of the world lifted off my shoulders. If you know the truth, the truth will set you free. If you know the Son, you are free indeed. Guys, let who Jesus is come home to you personally. Because he is setting us free right now from the power of sin you got to abide in his word. You got to believe what he says. So take note, keep it in front of you and go back to it and rehearse it again and again and again. And again, I commend this process as a way to do that. As we wrap up, let me just hit one more very quick way. I just, just mention it. One more way that Christ sets us free. And that's this, that Christ will also, his promise that when we know him, we will be set free one day from the presence of sin. We will be set free from the presence of sin. The Bible refers to this theological word glorification. That this is the great promise in Scripture. That that Jesus is making all things new. And that when we know him, that one day, not only are we saved from the penalty of sin, that's already happened, being saved from the power of sin, but one day when we see him, we will be like him. We will be saved even from the presence of sin. In fact, this is what 1 John 3 says. Dear friends, now we are children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That's our future promise. So Jesus is the truth, friends. He's the truth that sets us free. What does he set us free from? He sets us free from the penalty sin, the power sin, and the presence of sin that will take place. Do you know him? Do you just know about him or do you know him? I commend you get to know him or continue getting to know him. He's incredible. He's the best. Well, this morning, we're going to end our time in this series by taking communion. And this is available to anyone who's put your faith alone in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you've trusted Christ as your Savior, we welcome you to come and take communion. And we're going to have it up here, and we're going to have it down in the back so you can come to either place. And here's the thing. So we take communion, what I would ask you to do is just to recognize that, that, that in the gospel, which is what we're remembering when we take communion, it's just so vivid, God's character, the truth of who Jesus is that can set us free, is so vividly communicated to us and really preached to ourselves by taking communion. And so as you take the bread, you're remembering how Christ's body was broken for you. As you drink the juice, you're remembering how Christ's blood was spilled for you body broken, blood spilled so that you could be in a relationship with him having your sins forgiven. So that you can be set free from the penalty of your sin and the power of your sin and one day we can look forward to taking this with him when we will be freed from the presence of sin. So as you take this, rejoice in the truth that has set you free. Let's pray. Father God, You are are so good and so great and so gracious and you have demonstrated that so clearly in giving us your son, that Jesus, you would die for us, that your body would be broken, that your blood would be spilled, that you would be forsaken by the Father on the cross so that we could be adopted into the family of God. And God, you have set us free. Lord, in the Son, we have been set free indeed. God, yeah, will you help us walk in that freedom? That As we abide in your word, we would know you more fully. Lord, we would sense even to a greater extent how you freed us from the power of sin, that we can no longer be enslaved by it, but live in the freedom that you have guaranteed. Yeah, you are awesome. So we want to praise you in song this morning as a family. May you be honored in our time together.